Welcome to Seen and Heard in Edmonton, the podcast about bloggers and podcasters in the capital city of Alberta. I'm your host, Karen Unland, and today I'm talking to Paul Matwichuk. Hello. Paul's a writer, editor, and film aficionado who compares and contrasts movies in the most erudite way on trash art and the movies. This episode is brought to you by the Seen and Heard Podcast Network, a new project that I'm working on to help local podcasts get more listeners and connect those listeners with local businesses in a way that helps everybody. And you'll hear more about that later in the show. All right, Paul, you guys actually have a description for trash art in the movies. I always <laughs> ask people, how do you describe your thing? How do you oh, describe yeah. this trash is, art I always movies? have, uh, Aaron always gets this line in the intro. Let me see if I remember it. It's the podcast that pits highbrow cinema against brainless entertainment and then declares a victor. Right. Uh, so what that means is we pick two movies uh, from pretty much anywhere in Hollywood history that have something in common, a you know, director, a star, a setting, a theme, uh, one of which is a quote-unquote arty movie, uh, one of which is a quote-unquote trashy movie, and then we talk about the two of them and decide which one did it better, which one wore it best. Although the the definition of trash and art is extremely <laughs> elastic. Sometimes it does mean that it's, you know, a very arty foreign film or very kind of, you know, challenging uh, niche kind of film. Sometimes it just kind of means a film that is aiming at, you know, maybe aiming high and trash is sort of the... Um, you know, in a genre, maybe a disreputable genre. Uh, it's not meant to be like a judgment on the quality of the film. And in yeah. fact, I, my favorite outcomes are when the supposedly trashy version of the movie is actually the better one. I, I kind of like it when, <laughs> when, you know, trash gets one up on art. Have you tracked it? Do, do you know? Oh, I, I do. I, uh, we do track it. Uh, I haven't done the totals in a little while, uh, and, it, you know, art usually does win. Art, I think, does win about, like, two-thirds, three-quarters of the time. I mean, it does it does have the advantage, basically, but, uh, um, but you know, that, I think that makes, you know, the trash victories all, <laughs> all the sweeter. sweeter. <laughs> and I think uh, of the three, there's, there's, you know, Aaron Fraser, who is my co-host now. There's uh, Heather Knoll, who used to rotate with Aaron as my co-host, mm -hmm. myself. I think... Heather was the artiest, and I think I've become the trashiest. <laughs> I, picked, I picked trash most of the time, uh, but it's close. So how did you guys come up with that conceit? Well, you know, if we, uh, we were batting around a lot of ideas. We had, there was a version of the podcast I did with Heather Knoll, who uh, ran the Videodrome, the great independent uh, video store. Back then it was called DVD Afternoon. The concept then was, uh, it was hard to put it into words, it was the the highest profile under the radar DVD release of the week, which, you know, meant we would try and do like an interesting, under-discussed, you know, movie that was just making its debut on, right. on DVD. So we did that for a while. And then uh, Heather got very busy. She was going to have a kid and she was busy with uh, her store. And I thought, well, you know, the DVD thing, maybe DVDs are not really where it's at anymore, even the title of this podcast is starting to sound a little musty. I always had this idea, you know, this idea that like a good film critic is sort of omnivorous, you know, not undiscriminating, but who is not snobby, who's able right. to take, you know, any kind of movie on its own merits and to recognize, you know, the difference between 
a good dumb comedy and an insulting dumb comedy <laughs> between, you know, a really interesting, brilliant horror movie and one that's just, you know, working on the audience in a cheap, you know, dehumanized kind right. of way. Yeah. You know, can recognize an awesome action movie for what is so I, you know, I kind I always appreciated that in critics who had you know, I think and I and I, I think it's it's a sign of a bad grade. If you can't tell Good trash from bad trash. Yeah, you know? yeah. If you just sort of look at the label yeah. and say, "I don't like that." So I think it kind of that idea came. That it kind of came from from that of trying to come up with a concept that would let us talk about these two streams of movies and hope. I guess maybe in the back of our mind, hoping that we would get both audiences yes, <laughs> in. Sure. I don't know if that's quite worked out that way, but uh, but yeah, it just seemed like a, a fun way and a way that because a thing I also like to do is to be able to talk about. Um, older movies as well. I mean, yeah. There's something kind of fun about, you know, kind of big hits of the 80s and, and 90s and just kind of, you know, that haven't really had a kind of critical reappraisal or anything yeah. uh, in the last little while and just kind of seeing, you know, kind of seeing them with fresh eyes and you get kind of away from, even though, I mean, the podcast kind of leads up to this thing of, okay, who won the week, but it's really not about an argument over who's better. It's more just kind of like looking at these movies with fresh eyes. and. Yeah. There's so many movie podcasts. Did yeah. you were you deliberately trying to differentiate yourself from the rest? Uh, I guess we were trying to maybe come up with something that wasn't just a review of. I mean, there's, two, there's I guess there's two big genres of movie podcasts. Broadly speaking, you've got your like, you know, comments about the new releases, and I I didn't really want to get into that. It just feels like you know there's there's good people who do it and not so good people who do it, but they. Those topics get that gum gets chewed yeah. <laughs> over pretty fast. It becomes kind of like a flavorless wad by the yeah. time you know we would get around to reviewing these movies. And then there's a whole bunch of like bad movie podcasts, and that's a very crowded field. And um, and I guess I just I always really like there's uh, like even like movie bloggers that I like. There was a there's a guy. He's not as active as he as he used to be. A guy who ran a blog called uh, uh, Mr. Peel's Sardine Liqueur, <laughs> a title which I'd never I don't know what that no. title means. <laughs> Uh, but his thing was just kind of doing very long, uh, very kind of personal essays about movies, usually from the 70s, 80s, 90s. And just kind of look at it. I just, I just really liked his voice. And it would really, and he had a way of writing about these movies that wasn't starchy or academic, but it was very intelligent and, you know, kind of pinpointing what's interesting about this actor, or this movie. How does this movie work? How does this movie make him feel? And I just, I really like that idea of just kind of going back to a movie and getting just kind of getting out of that discussion of is it three stars is it yeah. two stars is it four stars you know and just kind of talking about what's well what's in what are the little nooks and crannies in this in this movie that are interesting these kinds of details that you really don't that aren't really appropriate to get into when you're just like doing a review of a new movie you know who yeah. cares about these little side alleys but you know over time it's these little discussions that actually are more interesting. Yeah. I think, yeah. I yeah. hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think so. I like it. I think the first time I saw your byline was in the gateway. Is that your start in media? Oh, that, well, I had written for the silhouette at McMaster okay. for quite a while. And I, I wrote a lot there. And I wrote, I guess that was where I wrote my first movie reviews for the public. And then I, and then I came out to U of A and I wrote a little bit for the gateway, but I never quite got into the gateway gang. Yeah. So I, I, that's amazing that you would remember my byline because <laughs> I don't think I wrote a lot. But I did a couple of comic strips for them despite mm. 
not being able to draw, which, <laughs> which maybe is not unique at the gateway. No. <laughs> no, there's a mix of people who cannot draw at all and people yeah. who can draw amazingly in, yeah, the, in yeah. the history of it. So tell me your journey from university writing to Oh, yeah. Now. Wow. Uh, miraculously, I think from probably from the silhouette days at McMaster to pretty recently, I was always able to have some kind of a gig reviewing movies enough that I could actually like publish a top 10 list at the end of the year that the public would see, you know, that forcing my opinions on other people. So it went from uh, silhouette to the gateway. Uh, I was in law school and I guess the, the, the kind of key turning point was I got a law degree and I was out looking for like an articling position and couldn't get one. Huh. Uh, I was really bad at interviews. And so just to kind of keep busy, really. I, I just kind of wandered into uh, the View Weekly offices and kind of said, I would like to write for you. <laughs> and uh, and uh, they put me to work writing book reviews, which as I later realized when I became an editor there myself, book reviews are the most, the hardest thing to get people to write because, oh. you know, you get no money and it takes so much more time than, you know, watching a movie. But I, you know, so I dug in and I kind of, I was always kind of like, I, I would write movie reviews. I was always kind of like adjacent to that thing that I really wanted to be doing. They moved me into doing theater reviews for a while because I had done a couple of fringe plays. And so they thought that I was a theater expert. <laughs> I moved up the ranks at View, became like kind of a proofreader, I think associate editor, they called me, then assistant editor, then the managing editor. Never had any like actual journalistic qualifications for any of this. But, you know, I was able to kind of assign myself a lot of movie reviewing assignments and, uh, you know, more and more often just that was like, I just loved it. I loved I loved uh, writing uh, uh, movie reviews. I moved to Key West after a while and I was editing a magazine down there, but still was writing kind of like a movie column for View Weekly. And then I sussed that the magazine I was working for down in Florida was probably not going to stick around for much longer. And it was also a very stressful. Mag I learned ton learned an absolute ton uh doing it but it was very stressful and so I th and then i saw that c magazine was advertising for an entertainment editor and i thought hmm <laughs> i can probably get that job and move back to edmonton which is what happened wrote for c for a while uh edited at c for a while uh then got fired <laughs> um which is a whole story and uh which leads me to the podcasting thing because uh, before I got fired or even realized that they were thinking of firing me, yeah, it was um, like 2009. And uh, I thought, oh, what a good thing to do. We should do a package of like kind of best of the decade stuff. Uh, you know, like I was really into podcasting and, you know, movie blogs. And I was really thinking, oh, this is where all the energy is in like criticism, in pop, in pop culture criticism. Like it's not, I, you know, I, I was very kind of, you know, fiery about this. And I, you know, I, 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 I just felt like, oh, all the most exciting writing about movies, music, you know, books, what have you, is being done by people who are not getting paid for it online. It is not happening in the daily papers. That's I, right. Sorry. To, no, that's yeah, I, I don't mean to. <laughs> but I just was really disappointed with, you know, kind of the culture coverage in the journal and just had this like, oh, you know, like if they were, if they covered politics as slackly as they covered culture like people wouldn't stand for it but somehow 
you know, mm-hmm. you can kind of get away with that in the in the in the entertainment section. So anyway, so I thought like, oh, we should get into we should do a podcast, a series of podcasts about like, you know, the best movies, best TV shows, best albums, you know, whatever of the decade. And, you know, maybe that would be like the launch of like a C podcast. We'd get in, you know, on this exciting new format. Uh, I got fired before that could happen, but in a, you know, in a kind of petty, you know, like when you, when you get fired, you know, you, they say, you know, like steal something, right? So I stole the <laughs> microphone from the C office, which they were never going to use. And, you know, I thought, all right, I'm going to set up my own podcast. And, uh, Originally, it was this DVD Afternoon podcast, which originally was co-hosted by David Barry for like seven or eight episodes. He then left and he is now writing for the National Post Mm -hmm. and doing, uh, you know, movie reviews and Ultra Calm. That became DVD Afternoon, which then became Trash Heart in the Movies. It's a fascinating saga. I didn't know (laughs) that story. That's a great story. Wow. Long, winding road. I only really remembered it when I was thinking about going on here and trying to think, like, oh, how did I get started (laughs) uh, (laughs) podcasting? But the thing is, you're still here and your podcast is still here and C isn't. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, which is which is actually which is really too bad. It I is, mean, yeah. I you know I was definitely not happy about getting fired from C. I thought it was for, you know, not <laughs> not great reasons. But I think it's too bad that there aren't two publications like that kind of pushing each other. You know, I thought I thought that was, uh, you know, a good that kind of competition. I thought made both papers better. Yeah. It feels too, though, like you were seeing some writing on the wall about the need for innovation somehow for for conveying the information that all weeklies traditionally did. Yeah, and I've since realized, like, even when I was at VIEW, especially at VIEW, well, this was true at C as well. I shouldn't uh, uh, say this again, but I, I was so coddled at VIEW. Like, I, you, I, would, I would never be able to find that kind of freedom ever again like it was crazy like they would let me run movie like reviews of dvds like kind of like new criterion collection movies like of like 900 word reviews they would let me they would let me run it it was insane (laughs) i don't know where those outlets are now that would just let people (laughs) write forever on you know what they thought was the most Interesting. interesting uh movie or play or whatever going on Probably on blogs, right? Probably for well, free that was, in their yeah, spare probably time. On blogs. It was really, it was people who were probably not getting paid, yeah. but were passionate and smart and funnier. And was I just found it so much more informative and reliable and stimulating than anything I was getting from people who were paid to do it. And, yeah. uh, and I guess there was also that alienation of just like at the journal at a certain point, you know, money obviously was tight even back then at the journal and they just kind of made the one of the first things to go was local movie reviewers and they mm-hmm. just you know all the movie reviews started just kind of coming in over the wire and mm-hmm. you know i guess it does it's the kind of thing that doesn't you know really matter it's not like suddenly the soul of the paper has been ripped up but you know it just feels like one one of many little things that kind of gradually alienates you from your local paper mm-hmm. if that if that makes sense mm-hmm. no i think that does yeah, yeah. Um, then you ended up in publishing. Yes, at yes. New West uh, Press. Right, right. So I did. Yeah, I landed it at New West Press, where I met, uh, which is a local um, independent literary publishing house, and I was the general manager there for about five years, and uh, continued to do the podcast as a like hobby side project. 
Do you feel like a guy who spent his career with one foot in the present and one in the future, or maybe one in the past and one in the present? With mm. uh, w- with like know, pod- adopting podcasting on one side and and traditional publishing on the other. Uh, you know, I don't know if I was really like I'm not the most early adopter. <laughs> like I'm, <laughs> so I don't know if I'm like some kind of you know futurist visionary or anything. It was just it just seemed like it would be a lot of fun. I don't know if I really, uh, you know, I, I mean, I blogged and I did the podcast. I don't know if I really had. Certainly with the podcast, I didn't have like a huge sense of mission the way that maybe I did when I was at the alt weeklies where, you know, so much, you know, so much of it is like being in opposition to Mm -hmm. the corporate, you know, daily papers. And uh, and you can feel like, oh, you know, like every week, every week is such a a battle to prove your, you know, independent cred. Right. Uh, I just, you know, the the, the podcast was really just kind of like a fun exercise a way to keep up on kind of force myself to keep up on some of the smaller movies that were coming out and and I just really love talking like you know Heather who no longer is with the podcast uh uh she just got you know so busy with her family and 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 her own efforts but just I just love you know getting together with her every week to talk about movies same with Aaron uh my co-host now it's just it's just really fun to um talk with someone who is sort of you know, can, uh, you know, who can relate to that, just that weird way that movie maniacs yeah. <laughs> talk about movies, you I know. I think you guys are, are equally geeky about yeah. it, for sure. Well, I hope it's not alienating. That's the thing. I always hope that it's not, like, too inside. I I mean, I don't know. Maybe we go. I, I, I try not to assume too much, but it's, it's can be, it can be hard to find that that ground between like figure out like what we can assume the audience knows and the names they know and what, you know, uh, we need to kind of back up and explain a little bit about or, and just kind of picking movies that are not so off-puttingly obscure that, you know, nobody can get anything out of the discussion. Maybe, but so I'll give you feedback as a listener. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I like it when you introduce me to stuff that I've never heard of. And, and, and I actually, a lot of my pop culture c- consumption is uh, through adjacent things like yours because I just yeah. don't have time to, to watch the movies. And so at right, least right. I get some cultural literacy from learning. Well, I hope that's like that's kind of, it was always even like I can read this book that I'm reading now. So it's on my mind. But there are like there are two kinds of people, and I think I I was the kind of like even as a kid, I didn't mind like I was really interested in movies. I would you know take books out in the library and read about them. I didn't mind if I hadn't heard of these movies. They would just kind of go on a mental checklist. And, oh, that sounds interesting. I'll yeah. have to check that out. But I think like you know even something like Entertainment Weekly, where everyone talks about his editors over them, and there's just this concern that like that a mass public will find that just off-putting or alienating to be to read about something that they haven't heard of before and that and they find that just a turnoff mm-hmm. and I've, I've never quite understood that I mean you don't want to again you don't want to be so inside baseball that it's just meaningless to, yeah. to somebody who's not in the you know secret little club but like if somebody can make an interesting description of a movie I've never heard of before that seems like a great service yeah <laughs> <laughs> i agree 
<laughs> so what would you like to do next with the podcast? Is it your plan to keep it going as is? For, yeah, for now. I think there, it's, it, it is kind of like a, a theme that can go on forever and ever and ever, I think. Uh, you know, Aaron is game to keep it going as, as long as, uh, uh, you know, for the foreseeable future, even though she's got, you know, two podcasts now, not yeah. just mine going on the go. So I, I enjoy, I think it, it's, it's like, because I don't have like a regular reviewing gig right now, it's, you know, it's just, it's kind of doing the speed bag and kind of keeping up with, I, I we do a segment at the top of just kind of reviewing other stuff that we've been watching this week besides our assigned viewing and I try and have like a couple of new things to talk about um, each episode. So, you know, just kind of making that effort to like, okay, every week I'm going to try and watch two new movies. Maybe there'll be a big release. Maybe there'll be something smaller that's only on Netflix. But I, you know, I like to feel like I'm, you know, in the game somehow. Yeah. Maybe that's kind of immature. Sometimes I always kind of worry that like I put my, you know, put so much of my identity around it's <laughs> so pathetic around being like a uh, a movie reviewer or being this film guy and having like some kind of official or I guess now like kind of quasi official uh, like springboard or, you know, like yeah. uh, from which to uh, launch my opinions. Like if I don't have the podcast then I'm just like, well, who cares what I think? Right. <laughs> you know, I'm just I'm just some idiot with, you know, just another idiot with an opinion. But if I've got the podcast, I'm still, you know, my opinions are like somehow legitimized. <laughs> well, you come across as um, more than legitimate when you're doing it. So, and I'm glad that it's your place to do that from. Uh, we'll take a break. And when we come back, we'll hear about a couple local podcasts that Paul recommends. This episode of Seen and Heard in Edmonton is brought to you by the Seen and Heard Podcast Network, which builds audience for local podcasters and connects those audiences with local businesses. I'm Andrea Bessa. What is the Seen and Heard Podcast Network? So it's a network of locally made podcasts, and it's based on the idea that together we're stronger. So we can kind of band together and create an opportunity to cross-promote each other but also get enough uh, listeners that it becomes an even more attractive proposition for local businesses that we might be able to create an opportunity to generate some revenue for local podcasters. And how can sponsors get involved if somebody's interested in being a part? So the best way to do that right now is to contact me. And my email address is karen at unlandmedia.com. And how can those of us who love the idea but don't have a podcast or a business get involved? Best way you can do that is to just spread the word. Um, if you have podcasting friends, then uh, pass on the information about the network to them. Get people to subscribe to the newsletter because that's probably the organ where I talk the most about what the progress is in the development of this network. And subscribe to the newsletter yourself. All that is at seenandheardyeg.com. And uh, just keep being awesome. That kind of support is really valuable and it's going to keep being valuable. Thanks for chatting with me on your podcast, Karen. Visit seenandheardyeg.com and click on the Podcast Network tab to learn more. And we're back with Paul. Uh, so what local podcasts are you into? Uh, well, I guess I would, be, I would be a very bad podcast co-host if I didn't put in a plug for my host Aaron's other podcast which is called Bollywood is for Lovers. I think she's been on, she has the, been show, on the show yeah. talking about it. So it's her and uh, her partner, Matt Bowes, who used to be my co-worker at New West Press. 
uh, they talk about uh, Bollywood movies. I, I'm amazed that this seems to be one of the only North American podcasts about Bollywood that sort of, you know, that is not sort of like about, um, you know, gossip about the stars or sort of, you know, kind of entertainment tonight uh, journalism. It's like, yeah. you know, sort of taking this hugely popular um, genre national cinema seriously. And it, I mean, I don't think they would call themselves necessarily the world's foremost experts on Bollywood, but they have done their research and, you know, are uh, and have a kind of like, uh, um, you know, new to the form enthusiasm about it, married to like, you know, just kind of a, an awareness of film history in mm -hmm. general. So I think mm -hmm. it's like a great entree. It can feel so intimidating to, you know, if you want to get into Bollywood, which it shouldn't be intimidating because it's a really... You know, they're, these are movies made to be like accessible. giant balls of entertainment, yeah, right? They yeah. are super accessible. They are fun, fun, fun. But there's, you know, like the the the, the titles are all in foreign languages, and you don't if you don't know the star system, or it's just hard to know an entryway into it. So having a podcast like that that has, you know, a couple of legit, you know, people with like legit taste to sort of guide you through it and say who the players are and and also just the way that that whole studio system the whole you know structure works i think is really valuable i'm amazed that it doesn't seem like anybody else has done it yeah, uh, yeah. i was kind of like cursing i was thinking oh that's a recipe for a hit podcast <laughs> <laughs> i think they're doing well so far yeah, so that's yeah. good yeah anything else uh, well, I guess I've uh, maybe this is also this is like I, I've been on this podcast a couple of times, but I guess everybody has been on each other's yes. podcast. Yes, right? <laughs> that's what we uh, As far as like local movie podcast, the Movie Jerk is a fun podcast that also has an unpredictable, you know, <laughs> unpredictable film choices mm -hmm. uh, that mm -hmm. they use, and I and they do uh, bring in people from like you know who are not who are not critics. Yes. they're just like you know movie fans. I, I like that. Uh, perspective as well. They even had me, and, yeah. and I barely watch any movies, but oh, it was you, so what fun. What did you watch with them? Well, they said, what movie do you hate? And I said, and I had just had a bad experience with Raiders of the Lost Ark, of all things. Oh. And, uh, which you'll hear the whole story on the podcast, on their podcast, but um, they said, huh, wow, I never heard of anybody who didn't like that movie. Do you know <laughs> what we're going to make you watch? Because you, you, yeah. that's the conceit yeah, is, yeah. is we each watch a movie and then we talk about it. And there's a slightly sadistic... Uh, oh, yeah, Alan Quartermain <laughs> and The Lost City of Gold. Oh, I've never seen that. That's, a, that's that is, terrible. That is a terrible movie. That is a terrible movie. That is a movie that is truly, if you think this is bad... You know, I, I've tried to model all the incarnations of my podcast over uh, after... Um, it, well, there's two podcasts with the same people. One, it used to be the IFC podcast, and now it's Film Spotting SVU, which is for streaming services. It's for you know Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, Crackle, all these other yeah. services. And the two hosts are uh, Matt Singer and Allison Wilmore. And I just I felt like their dynamic was they had fun talking to each other. They clearly had respect for each other's opinions. They you know it wasn't. There was no sniping. Even when they disagreed, there was this kind of like, oh yeah, and there was like kind of this bottom line reasonableness to their to their attitudes. They weren't, you know, they, they weren't cranks or grouches. You know, they you know would go in and they had that kind of quality of being able to appreciate a you know slow moving obscure art movie or a Fast and the Furious movie equally with yeah. you know they had something they would have something interesting to say about you know each kind of movie and that was that was the 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 kind of dynamic that i 
that, that, that I that I really like. You know, if a movie's bad, like, it's not the end of the world. You don't have to get all exercised and outraged over it. I think just sort of that feeling of more of dismay or amusement, I think, tends to be temperamentally like my <laughs> uh, <laughs> reaction to... Uh, to a bad movie, so that that's the kind of uh, thing I like. I used to like. There have been various incarnations when the when the Dissolve had a podcast, this um, late lamented movie review site, uh, and uh, they've started up again that same group, a new podcast called uh, that's very similar to Trash Art in the oh. Movies called uh, uh, the Next Picture Show, uh, where the concept there is just they'll talk about um, a new movie and an older movie that you know, that has something in common that sort of, you know, nice. reminds them of uh, uh, of the new movie. So it's not quite trash and art, no. but sort of, you know, old and new. And also just had that kind of like a sense of humor, you know, deep knowledge about film, but they wear their knowledge of film, you know, very lightly. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and, and just a, a kind of like like encouraging people to discover great movies rather than sort of acting like, Oh, you know, like these are, you know, like, oh, you wouldn't get this movie or this, you yeah. know, like, uh, like there's, there's not a sense of contempt for the mass audience that can creep into movie reviewers. I think after many, many years of seeing great movies get ignored at the box yeah. office, you know, <laughs> uh, but just like, I feel like I always had this kind of underlying faith that people will like good movies if you just can find a way to get them to see it, not see force it. them yeah. to see it, but make it, you know, but make it sound interesting enough that they go in uh, willingly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> make it like it's their idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks so much for talking to me today. This oh, was excellent. This um, please subscribe to Trash Art in the Movies in iTunes and give it a nice big rating and a positive review. And you can find Trash Art in the Movies on Facebook where there's always a lively discussion going on in response to yeah. questions that Paul and Aaron ask on their podcast. You can find Paul himself on Twitter at MyElbow. And these links and Paul's recommendations will be in the show notes at SeenAndHeardYeg.com. And if you subscribe to my newsletter at SeenAndHeardYeg.com, you'll get complete coverage of Edmonton's blogs and podcasts and updates on the Seen and Heard Podcast Network. I'll be back in a week. Thanks for listening. Thank you.